Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Camp, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so what's on the lot? Great new inventory. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Yeah, maybe you prefer a pre-owned vehicle. Some people prefer that. Some you know, Sometimes the budget prefers that. Tremendous selection of pre-owned inventory that they uh, put their name behind. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Well, the World Series at minimum will go five games. The Rays tied it up last night at a game apiece, and Lau was a big reason why. He went deep twice. This is where you hit the play-by-play call today on the side. Boom. And now the pitch. Swing and a fly ball, well hit into left field. Going back is Taylor, all the way back towards the wall. It's gone! A two-run homer for Brandon Lau, his second of the night, and the Rays have a 5 nothing lead. Sorry, dropped the ball on that one like John Hightower. <laughs> oh! Brandon Lau. <laughs> Two home runs last night. And the uh, Rays won it. And the series is now tied at a game apiece. Interesting last night. Walker Bueller is starting tomorrow night against Charlie Morton. That's a that's a terrific pitching matchup tomorrow night for what's an important game three. But Walker Bueller, it was his natural turn on natural rest for game two. He didn't pitch him. I don't get it. Well, all right. It's a beautiful 78, 79-degree day. And I feel like I'm pulling Nate Bauer off the golf course. Nate, welcome. You know, my tee time was to begin in literally 25 seconds. But here we are. It's because you're a pro's pro. Yeah, uh, I don't know that there's a lot of people that would say that. <laughs> I don't know that I, I don't know that I would say that. But uh-huh. hey, Steve, you know what? I'm just glad to be in your company. Since, you know, since, since, you're a pro, pro. Since you're the guest, <laughs> just follow my lead, okay? I'll take. Listen, I, yeah, I'm blushing. Yeah. Nate, obviously, I mean, be, I mean, I, I mean, I was aware of the investigation going on, but I was stunned. At this stage, that you know, to get that news yesterday, you know, to be honest with everybody, what was your thought when you heard? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Um, you know, uh, like up front, I, I like and respect Pat uh, in the same vein as you, right? I, I mean, I could not, 
Uh, if I had chosen words, they would have been exactly the same as what you, you just said in the lead-in. You know, I, I cannot sit here and um, interpret or dictate what other people's feelings are, right? Their interactions that's right. are, are theirs, Yes, and and that's their prerogatives, and and so be it, right? And and I'm just I'm not in a position to have that. I can only attest to my own interactions, uh, and overwhelmingly, you know, personally as well as professionally, um, y- you know, they they have never been anything short of outstanding with Pat. Um, you know, that said, that said, y- you and I have both been here for the whole thing right and Mm -hmm. so it's not as though there are any real surprises in understanding who and what pat is as a coach uh he is a fiery guy uh he's competitive as heck uh you you know (laughs) if, if you've watched a penn state game if you've seen him uh, interact with officials. It, 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 like none of this is guesswork. Uh, mm-hmm. He he uh, is who he is. Um, unapologetically, there have been uh, incidences in the past. Um, you know, in which uh, I don't want to. I don't know if you want to call it like edging up to the line of what is acceptable or appropriate versus what is not. Um, and so m- my initial feeling yesterday was not so much a surprise that eventually this thing might run out on on Pat's tenure with Penn State. You know, it uh, it was going to end at one point or another. I didn't envision him being the Penn State basketball coach uh, for 30 years, right? Like, that that wasn't how this was going to play. But for it to happen now... The, in the middle of preseason practice, the the way that this is playing out uh, is is truly stunning to me um, in in every way. Um, this this is an I, I mean I, I, like <laughs> I, I know I know uh, T Frank said it's uh, this is fine. Uh, kiddingly, this is an unmitigated disaster. Well. Um... And the, the, here's the other part. Obviously, we don't have privy. We're not privy to the internal r- report. Sandy Barber is, obviously. And, of course, she shared that with Dr. Barron. She's not one that, that wants to, to do this to coaches. So whatever is in there had to be enough for her to do this. And I think uh, that's, the, that's the part of it I respect because you and I both know she doesn't want, you know, you know especially on October 21st, uh, which is what it was yesterday. I mean, there's no athletic director in the country that wants to to, to pull the plug on a coach in the middle of the preseason. Of course. I mean, course. I think that's why people have to be fair as to what, you know, she was in a tough spot and she had to handle it. Right. No, it's it's just it's just a um you, you know, look, like let's let's be forthcoming here. Uh you know, the Roger Bolton stuff happened this summer in June, July. Um at which point, I'm not sure what, whether we agree personally or disagree. I don't think anyone would have um, objected 
overwhelmingly if that had been the cause of his termination. Mm-hmm. If if that if 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 they had decided, listen, you know, this just is not uh, behavior that is is you know representative of Penn State. We we cannot um, you know we can't we can't allow for this, and this is let's call it the final straw on. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Miles Dread push and, um, you know, uh, any, any of the ejections or, you know, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. If, if that had been the timeline, oh, okay, uh, now you give yourself a chance to uh, damage control, to sort out, um, you know, moving forward as a program, right? This does not allow for that and so yes you're, you're right I mean I I, I uh, have a significant amount of respect for Sandy yes um, absolutely and I, I do I do yep. and so um, you, you know it's just it just makes you qu- you know it makes you question uh, whether or not, and and, and this is uh, just as an aside, like this is this is what becomes unfair, okay, to the actors involved, is that when there's this level of discretion, I, I would almost compare it to to James Franklin's policy uh, regarding injuries, is occasionally in that circumstance, players might be playing hurt. Okay, and mm-hmm. it might impact their performance. Yep. And so for fans to understand that and be able to put in context a performance that they would otherwise consider poor, maybe that information would illuminate or allow them to say, oh, well, this is, this is why that is the way that it is. I understand the discretion. I understand uh, not wanting to come out and, and say something uh, definitive one way or the other, but with, here, here we are today after chambers resigned and it could it could be anything it could be either a a final in a string of of transgressions that we would all consider you know bub again running up to that line or maybe maybe it's something huge you know maybe maybe it's something uh, undeniable that just it, it is beyond reproach and you know, uh, there yeah. was no other choice in the circumstance. We don't. We don't right. know that. We don't have any context to that, and so it's not fair, really, in my mind, to Chambers or to Sandy. Uh, but Sandy did say straight out yesterday, "This is not NCAA related." Uh, so that part we can we can we can look at. Uh, Jim Ferry uh, will step into this tough job. Uh, there's no doubt, of, you know, about that. Uh, I've known Jim for a long time, but before he ever even came here to Penn State, uh, he's the guy that offensively, he's essentially been the offensive coordinator, and Penn State's been scoring points. What does Jim bring to the table, in your opinion, that can help steady the ship right now? Uh, experience, experience. Uh, you just you cannot replicate uh, head coaching experience. Right, he's he's done this before. He's been in this before. This is an uh, uh, nobody wants to walk into a situation like this. Nobody wants to have to be a head coach because uh, the guy that they were working for uh, was just forced to resign. You know, so so that is a beehive of challenges 
that he's going to have to handle right off the get-go, right, right off the bat. Uh, but when you've been there, when you when you sat in that seat at that desk, uh, you're at least better suited and better prepared. Um, you, you know, to be able to handle those things. And as far as the team itself, uh, you know, his, his impact um, is obvious, right? I mean, three years ago, three years ago, four years ago, I'm, I've, I'm, I've, I've lost track of his tenure at this point. In twenty in twenty eighteen, they get they won the NIT, and then last right. last year they were essentially in the NCAA tournament, and they won the NIT. Uh, and went to the NCAA tournament because, uh, unlike previous seasons, they were finally able to put the ball in the basket. Yep, that's that's the bottom line. Um, and so there's no, you know, uh, you can't overstate how important that has been for them to to average. Uh, you know, again, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I know it's plus seventy uh, over the last few seasons not not the one in between but the nit and then the ncaa season so for them to finally be able to compete and score uh you know that that was a major difference and ferry was a huge influence obviously uh on that success and so you know given the makeup of this year's team and and the players that they still have on the roster i would not expect that to change Right, I mean, you would you would expect them to continue to have success offensively. Um, you know, it's just it's just uh, it's just a disaster of of trying to handle the emotional side of this, the the personal side of this. These are these are young guys, right? These are their families. Like you you, you have to sort all of that out and it's and it's a tornado right now right. um it's just it's just going to be so hard for them to to kind of work their way through this um you know a, as an entire program that's ferry that's the assistants taylor battle just got here just got here yep you know uh all all of those dynamics uh, are going to be um, you know, a black cloud, and it's just a question of whether or not you can, you know, put, push through it. Yeah, because uh, you're going to have an entire freshman class that will never play for the head coach that recruited him. You're going to have yep. a transfer from Binghamton will, that will never play for the head coach that uh, brought him in. But in fairness, too, the assistants are lead recruiters on guys. The assistants that recruited all these guys are still there. So that is something that obviously everybody will lean on. Yep. Yep. No, there's, I, I mean, look, like, uh, you know this, I know this. Um, and and I think largely at this point um, the, the prospect class and their families mm-hmm. – are are aware of the nature of college coaching, right? <laughs> it is a constant turnstile at every at every place, right? And no so, doubt. there was never a time. I, I haven't experienced a time. I don't think in in Chambers' tenure at Penn State where I felt like he would necessarily be here in two years, right? Uh, you just. He had no idea, right? I mean, after after maybe I don't know the uh, third or fourth year, it's, well, it's every single off season has been a question. Jim Jim will be this will be my thirty ninth season, okay? So Jim will be the sixth head coach that I've worked around. All right, 
Dick Harder at, uh, was the first coach I worked around uh, on the network. And at the end of the season, he was relieved of his duties, and then they hired Bruce Parkhill. Bruce then left in September his last year, and Jerry Dunn stepped in. It was a, That was a shocker. Jerry was released at the end of his tenure. Ed DeChelis was brought in. Then Ed left in late May. Nobody leaves in late May, and Pat was hired to do so. I mean, this will be this will be what the third different time where an odd time of the year during my tenure of doing this, it's happened. I mean, it, it does put the program always, in, and I know from experience, it puts the program in an odd spot every time because of the timing of it. It is. It's. I'm so glad that you brought it up, and and it's and it's different, right? Like there were never questions about Ed, um, and and his behavior. Ed was. Um, oh yeah. Uh, you know, uh, right? Like yeah. so. So that's so. So I'm just prefacing what I'm about to say, which is simply that the parallels and the way that history kind of repeats itself with this program is fascinating to me, and and uh, in a bad way. I am. Uh, I'm just. I'm just speaking from my perspective. And again, like you can only get so close uh, to to be able to see, you know, who and kind of what this is as a as a culture around Penn State men's basketball. But it just seems to me, based on Ed's experience, uh, and now based on on Chambers, those are the only two coaches that I've been around for. You've been around more for more than that. Um, but it just seems like it's this constant state of inner struggle, right? Like it's this constant state of you're 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 not just fighting the perception externally towards the program, of which is long and storied and well deserved as a program that just has not had success. That that you get. But what you also have is here's a program that is fighting within its own kind of athletic department for relevancy on the stage of football. That's that. It's just it, it's none, none of what I'm saying is new or not understood. It's just this. This is the dynamic that you're dealing with. Is how do you bring this program? up to a level where it gets the same funding considerations as its peers, right? That it's, that it's held, and I'm not saying peers is in football, I'm saying peers is in the rest of the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you get it to a, like, and so you're just, you're just, you're just always fighting and fighting and fight, and, and naturally, I mean, even, even Sandy has talked about this before, um, you, you know, uh, you're naturally going to have a push and pull between administrators and coaches. That's the coaches always want more and administrators always have to, you know, be able to put the reins on mm-hmm. and to be able to, and to be able to say, no, this is, you know, this is, this is how it is. And this is, you know, this right. is what we can give you and what we can't, you know? And so, and so, yeah, like it's, it's just for for it to work out this way. Uh, you know, with Chambers and for it to end this way, it just it, it brings a lot of memories up of, of mm-hmm. Ed and how he left and sure. the circumstances uh, from which he left. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think over this 39 year span, who's been the one constant? Huh. 
Well, as long as you guys don't zero in on that. All right. Um, <laughs> You've all allowed right. it all to happen, Steve. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so what's the one constant? All right. Nate, appreciate it very much. Sorry about the delayed tea time. Uh, next round's on me. You know what? I appreciate that. And I'm, you know me. All right. I don't give up. I'm still going to make it for the back. Okay. I know you will. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. All right. See you in Indy. All right. Nate Bauer, Blue White Illustrated. Paul Domowich, next half hour. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Force rated Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kierwoods 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applications applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great pre-owned inventory. Fabulous service department as well. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. It's one of the best in the business. Paul Domowich for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Paul, welcome. It's great to have you with us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Steve. Okay, uh, I want to get uh, into the book uh, about Leo Carl, and then I'll get over to the Eagles in just a few moments. So we'll get the fun start stuff out of the way first, then we'll depress the passengers, then we'll finish up fun, okay? Uh, <laughs> so let's start with the book. What inspired a Leo Carlin is going to be a guy that, you know, that many Philadelphia people know, but the general public at large might not know. So what made him a fascinating person to talk to with all the years of service with the uh, Eagles? Well, I mean, you know, he's he, for much of his uh, half century with the team, also was their business manager. So he had an inside look at their, uh, you know, at, at six different ownerships, at 14 different coaches. Um, you know, when he asked me 11 years ago to, uh, you know, if I'd be interested in writing his memoir, I mean, I was mostly doing it, you know, as out of uh, because he had asked me. I mean, I, it wasn't something I thought would. I didn't at the time give it much thought as to how interesting a story it would be, other than uh, I thought it would tell a pretty good history of the team. But 
you know, it ended up being more than that. It's kind of a not only a professional journey through his 50 years, but also a personal one. Uh, you know, raising his family, uh, what he's gone through, raising seven children and 22 grandchildren, and um, you know how he's how he's you know just a Philly guy who spent 50 years working for for the Eagles, uh, and and what he went through and what he saw. You know, there's just a lot of great stories, and turned out to be you know when we finally got finished with it. Uh, I was really happy with you know it, it's, it's an easy read, um, and yet you walk away from it. I hope with uh, you know knowing a lot more about the Eagles than you did when you when you started. Fifty years brings with it, Paul, a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> obviously, one of the high moments, obviously, is winning the Super Bowl when they beat the Patriots at uh, at US Bank Stadium. What about the low moments? What did what did what does Leo consider to be the low moments where even he said, you know what, I wonder if I should still be doing this job and working for this organization? Yeah, uh, well, actually, the lowest moment was a, 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 was when he in, involuntarily was not working for the organization uh, in the latter years of the Leonard Tose uh, <laughs> uh, regime. Uh, Leonard and Jimmy Murray fired him abruptly, uh, and so he was at a time in his life when he had, you know, seven kids. A couple of them going to St. Joe's Prep, which isn't cheap. Uh, you know, he—I mean, he was just—you can imagine—it's it, kind of like what a lot of people are going through right now, without you know, after they lost their job because of the pandemic and have families to raise and don't know how they're going to, you know, pay for their next meal. Uh, you know, I mean, he. He managed to stay on his feet. Ended up, up spending three years uh, as the business manager for the Philadelphia Stars in the United States Football League before going back to the uh, to the Eagles when Norman Brayman took over. But I mean, that was the low moment for him. Uh, there really weren't other than that. I don't know that he had a whole lot of other. I mean, as, as bad as the team was uh, so often during his fifty plus years, uh, you know, he still found a lot of enjoyment. And, and find a lot of great stories to tell me about it, but the, getting you know the, the the period when he got fired and was away from the team was probably as low as it got for him. What did he think about the USFL? You know the star, the, 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 Phil, the yeah the Philly Stars. I mean they were good. They made the championship game all three years, Paul. Yeah, well that's when I met him. Um, because uh, I, I I got to Philly in '82, the year before the Stars uh, started playing. And uh, that's and I so I met him a few months after I got there and was put on that beat, uh, and he loved it. I mean, it's it's funny that league only lasted three years, Steve. But everybody I know that was uh, affiliated with it in some way, whether you know whether it was players, coaches, and people like that that they worked in uh, for it, or or myself who covered it, it was just an incredible. Uh, experience. Uh, I mean, I was young at the time, uh, but the the access was was unlike anything you you got in the NFL as far as you know players uh, being willing to talk. Um, I mean, it was a terrific. I, it was three years that I enjoyed, and I know he just you know it's aside from the Super Bowl, aside from a lot of the other highs when he with the Eagles, uh, it was one of the best experiences of his life. Yeah, I know. When I've talked to Chuck Fusina and Scott Fitzke and a couple of other guys that played on those star teams, they loved it. Yeah. They they, yeah. they, they, they loved it. 
Uh, okay, so now, we, of course, you know the high moments are great, but there's so many personalities with this with the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. I remember the day that Chip Kelly got fired, and I'm talking to Merrill Reese, and Merrill says to me, he says, "Steve, normally he says something like this happens, and the secretaries are crying." Uh, no, nobody was crying. So how did how did Leo view Chip? You know, at that at that point in his career, uh, he retired in 2017. So it was the latter uh, years of his career there. I mean, I, he wasn't as close to the coaches as he was a little bit earlier on when he was younger. But uh, you know, Paul, he Paul had, nobody he was close same, to Chip. He had the same relationship. <laughs> with Chip that pretty much everybody else in that organization <laughs> did during his three years there, which was yep. really none. I mean, uh, Chip would walk down uh, the halls of the NovaCare complex, and, I mean, he'd pass people, including the owner, and would not even make eye contact. Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't think it was he disliked people. He, he was just in his own world, and, uh, you know, his personality, I mean, that's what pretty much, that's what, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie, that's why he fired him. Not so much, you know, they went 10-6 and six that last year. Uh, but he needed a coach that he, you know, that he could relate to, yeah. that, that would talk to him, uh, you know, that and, and Chip wasn't that guy. And he, he was like that with everyone in the organization. Paul, when you do something for 50 years, and the deepest, darkest moments of that 50 years is the three years you weren't with the organization, that tells me a lot. What was it about the job? What was it about the organization that made this guy passionate about doing it? Well, he, he was from Philadelphia. From he grew up in North Philly. I think you know he, his first year with the with the with the Eagles was the 1960 season when they uh, you know won the NFL championship with you know you had mentioned uh, Benark earlier uh, with that team. Yeah. Um, you know, I, he, I think the relationships more than anything, uh, he got to know and, and was close to so many people. I mean, not just the owners, but, you know, Eddie Snyder uh, early on was, uh, you know, who ended up becoming the owner of, 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 of the Flyers, uh, was basically Jerry Woolman early on. Was, he, he was working for Jerry, but Eddie was, was essentially running the Eagles. And he and, 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 and Leo became very close friends, lifetime friends. Uh, and and you, you, you go through the years and a lot of those kind of relationships, even extending to the stars. I mean, his relationship with Carl Peterson, who was the president, and uh, yeah. Jim Mora, who was the uh, uh, the coach, and Bill Kaharik. You know, he, he had an interesting situation there. He, he worked for Joe Kark when he was the most hated coach probably in, <laughs> in in Eagles history, and then later worked with his son, who's a terrific kid, the guy, and ended up being a you know a, a successful executive in the uh, in the NFL. Um, you know, worked for him, worked with him uh, at the Stars. So I think it's the relationships that really. Um, you know, when you talk to him, and I hope that comes out in the book, uh, that's what, you know, I think that, that probably goes with any job. I mean, no matter mm-hmm. what kind of work you're in, uh, it's the people around you that, you you know, that, that kind of make uh, make it enjoyable or not enjoyable. Uh, you know, and there were a lot of people that made it not enjoyable. I mean, he and Buddy Ryan didn't get along. 
Um, <laughs> you know, he clearly he clearly had his ups and downs with with Leonard Tose, and yet, I mean, Leonard Tose was responsible for the worst time of his life. And when Leonard died, um, his funeral was on Easter Sunday of, uh, I believe it, I can't remember what year he he died, but uh, uh, Leo and his wife were devout Catholics, and and here's a guy that fired him, and he showed up for his funeral. And, you know, uh, Leonard Tosa's daughter was just really touched uh, that, 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 you know, Leo put everything behind, you know, soft it to, to be there uh, when he was, when she was burying her father. Class acts are like that. All right, yeah. I now have to ask you about the Giants and Eagles. <laughs> I, I figure I'd give you a chance to have a deep breath. <laughs> the Giants are currently a half game behind the Eagles <laughs> in the stands. Yes, yes, yes. It's uh, anybody's uh, ball game in the NFC East right now. Yeah, Amazingly. it sure is. Could you ever have imagined in all the years that you've covered various sports, but particularly the NFL, that one division could be this poor? You know, there have been some years, sometimes over the years, Steve, when, you know, there have been some. I, I remember the NFC West uh for a while there with the the Rams Seattle, and the, yeah, the, yes, the 49ers did, were horrible. Yes, and, uh, yeah. I mean, one year, I, I believe the, the the Seahawks beat yeah. the – in the last game of the season, they beat the Rams and, and ended up winning that division with either a 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight record. There's been seven a few and nine. of those. Yeah, uh, this year, I don't know what's going to – you know, I, I really think I, – I think it'll end up being either 6-9-1 and one or – I mean, 6-8 – Six nine and one or seven and nine. That's going to win this division. I don't think it'll be a winning record uh, the way things are going. Um, you know, the Eagles. I mean, these next three games for them are absolutely crucial. Three NFC East games, two against the Giants and one against the Cowboys. That they can win these games. They they need to win these games, which would put them back to four four and one before they hit a stretch the rest of the season when they've got a lot of tough games. I mean, that's why they're in, in tough shape because. They're, the easy part of their schedule, they they kind of blew um, early on here. I mean, they've had, you know, they've played poorly. They've had some excuses. I mean, the injuries have just been, un, you know, just unbelievable. But they're getting a couple people back tonight. They're getting Lane Johnson back tonight. They're supposed to be getting Deshaun Jackson back tonight. You know, whether that's for two plays or, or the whole game, we'll find <laughs> out. But, uh, you know, uh, at, at some point here in the next three, four weeks, they will get most of these guys back. Um, you know, uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, which his his injury has just been crushing because he's such a uh, an important part, not only the passing game uh, as a tight end, but also the run game. Without him, everything's been a struggle. So uh, at some point they will be healthy, uh, you would think. Uh, whether it'll be too late is what we'll find out. When you're the quarterback, you're going to get lots of credit when – life goes well and when life goes poorly it's going to be mostly your fault mm-hmm. when you watch Carson Wentz how much is it that he's played well in spite of what's around him and how many times have you looked at him and thought boy he is not playing well at all until last week Steve uh, mostly would look and say he's not playing well at all I mean there were excuses obviously with that offensive line but you know, it was much like last year until the end of the se- late in the season when he when he 
started playing well. He was up and down early on this season. It was mostly down all the interceptions, uh, bad decisions. His accuracy was off. His mechanics were off. Uh, and then the fourth quarter last week, he just he be, it looked like he just said, "The hell with it." You know, I've I've got to do what I got to do. Uh, you know, and he became kind of a gunslinger. Uh, and, and, and almost led him back to a victory. I mean, they were down 14 points with about seven, uh, seven and a half minutes left, and, uh, you know, they came within two points of winning that game. Paul, now, absolute we'll, we'll see going forward what, uh, whether he can right. build on that. Um, you know, he needs his line. To, you know, I think getting Lane Johnson back will help. Playing the Giants will help, certainly. So uh, I think he should have a pretty good game tonight, Steve. Absolute pleasure. Best of luck with the book. It's it's uh, it sounds like an absolutely fascinating read, you know. And like you said, even you were surprised in writing it. That's really cool. Thanks, Steve. And I hope uh, hope your listeners will go out and uh, or go to Amazon.com and buy it. It's uh, it is it's an easy read. I mean, you won't they won't have to they won't spend four days reading it and they'll walk away. Uh, I think the better for it. Sounds perfect for a guy that's going to be getting on some planes in the next few weeks. I think I'll do that. Thank you there so you much. I, I appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. Take care, Steve. Paul Domowicz from the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. We'll wrap it up in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Covering a lot of ground today. Tomorrow's show will be in Indianapolis. Rich Scarcella will join us tomorrow. King will be on the show tomorrow. And Ben Jones, statecollege.com, all on the show tomorrow. Okay. Got a lot going on. But we will be in Indianapolis tomorrow for the show as Penn State gets ready to open the season with Indiana. Illinois and Wisconsin will open the 125th season of Big Ten football tomorrow night at 8 and Penn State's 134th season of football will open Saturday at 3.30. We're on beginning at 2 o'clock. Been an incredibly eventful week to this point. With the Journey Brown news, the Patrick Chamber news. It's been uh, obviously a lot going on. So now we're going to settle back and I'm going to read the Suits memoir. Let's see here. Page one. Hmm, appears to be blank. Hmm. Totally misspelled Lawrence's name. All right. Uh, but that, I guess we'll save that for later. On the short flight from State College to Philly tomorrow, I'll read it then. And I'll have it complete, too. Nothing like a memoir. The suit. It's entitled My Years Conquering All Media. <laughs> exactly. I found the title to be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd bring it up. So are you going to watch the debate tonight or are you going to watch the Eagles game tonight? There's only one correct answer. 
So you are going to watch the debate. <laughs> uh, no, I, I will be watching the game, but I'm sure in my looks on social media and following stuff that happens during the game, I will see the uh, so, storylines from the debate tonight. So it seems to me, based on what I'm looking at here, is that ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS all will carry it. And, of course, MSNBC, Fox News, and CNN will all carry it, probably C-SPAN too. But over the year, Fox evidently is not going to. They're going to have the Eagles and Giants on. Correct. Yeah, I guess it'll just be Fox News. Wow. But you can do both. You can watch the game. And pay attention to the debate if you choose to, because we will be airing CBS's coverage live tonight at 9 o'clock here on WKOK. There you go. Wonderful. And then plenty of high school football tomorrow night, including uh, Shikalimi uh, with a rematch against Milton. At 7 o'clock, 6.30 will be the airtime. Sealands Grove Shimokin, first of two. <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Uh, 7 o'clock and 6 o'clock the airtime on Eagle 107. By the way, Eagle 107 has the Eagles tonight, right? Correct. 7 o'clock yep. and 820 is the kick. Yeah. And uh, 100.9 the Valley tomorrow will have uh, Lewisburg at uh, 7 o'clock, 630 the airtime. So we have a lot going on. A lot going on. Uh Hang in there for another hour, 10 minutes or so, and then we'll get to the Penn State Coaches Show. I'll be back here in the Sunbury Motors studio for that. James Franklin in the final half hour tonight. As we talk about Penn State and Indiana. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.